The point is, Prime Minister, I don't think we can sell the idea of a tax that asks everyone to pay the same. Our policies may be unpopular, but they are the right policies. Prime Minister, I just don't think we can ask the poorest of the poor to pay the same amount of tax as a multi-millionaire. There you go again. Why not? Because... Because people, on the whole, think that the tax is manifestly unfair. Nonsense. Errant nonsense. This is a simple proposition. If you live in this country, you must pay for the privilege. Something, anything. If you pay nothing, you care nothing. What do you care where you throw your rubbish? Your council estate is a mess. Your town graffiti. What do you care? It's not your problem. Somebody else's problem. It's, it's the government's problem. Your problem, some of you, is that you haven't got the courage for this fight. No, you haven't had to fight hard for anything. It's all been given to you, and you feel guilty about it. Well, may I say, on behalf of those who have had to fight their way up and who don't feel guilty about it, we resent those slackers who tick, tick, tick and contribute nothing to the community. And I see the same thing, the same cowardice in our fight within the European Union. Cowardice for the sovereignty of, of, of Britain, the integrity of the pound. Some of you want to make concessions. Some of you want to make concessions. I hear some of you agree with the latest French proposals. Well, why don't you get on a boat to Calais? Hmm? Why don't you put on a beret and pay 85% of your income to the French government? This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from the movie The Iron Lady because we got to see the debates last night, and if you didn't see the first debate, we saw something that looked like the Iron Lady in Carly Fiorina. Clearly the uh, the biggest bump of anybody, if anybody, any candidate of the Republicans got the biggest bump, showed us her stuff, and uh, was very impressive. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch more of the debates and what's going on this week. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Moreno Valley, also offices in Downey, Westlake Village, Orange, Temecula, and Corona to service all of Southern California for all your real estate financing needs. If you're interested in getting involved in any of those fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, get some information but you don't want to call because you don't want me to hear your voice or you don't want someone else within on your side to hear what you're talking about, 
Go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on Apply Now and give me as much information as you want me to have and tell me what information you want. You'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, or Alex Rojas, and we will solve your financing needs. You know, I had someone uh, someone uh, that that I've been talking to for about a year and a half that a uh, guy is about 80 years old, can't decide what he wants to do. I told him the what, what he wants to do to solve his, uh, I don't have any more money than my house payment is, and but I got lots of assets and lots of equity. And I suggested this is the way to do it. Do a reverse mortgage on your house and put a little mortgage on the other house and now give yourself some. Uh... And he said, he calls me back the other day and says, is there any way to get this thing done without doing a reverse mortgage that we could just do a normal mortgage? I say, hey, a reverse mortgage is a normal mortgage. The only difference is you don't have to make payments if you don't want to. You can if you want, if you feel guilty about not having to send in payments. But uh, if you're out there and you're 62 years old and you're confused about reverse mortgages, Wholesale Capital also does reverse mortgages, and they are a fantastic, you know, this isn't what you have to do. This is what you get to do, okay? Call me if you have questions on that, 855-640-2020. If you're something that you want repeated, you can also go to edhoffman.net, click on listen to the main event, and uh, you can hear this show as well as four past shows. Uh, you can also get my uh, podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman. You can subscribe for free, and it'll download on your uh, on your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod, your computer, your iWatch, or whatever other device you can get iTunes on, and it'll download for free once a week. Or uh, you can also get it on uh, AM590, The Answer, and it has my podcast up there now as well. So uh, lots of stuff going on this week. Um, lots of stuff going on, and, and to help me analyze it, I have Mr. Scott McAfee of Don's Bikes in the house. Scott, welcome to the to the to your favorite place. Absolutely, Ed. You know, fun to be here as always, and so much to talk about in so little time. I know. Let's talk about how many, how many push-ups you did. Uh, you know, I did, it's funny, I did 31, I believe, and my son also, oh, 32, I'm sorry, 32 push-ups, and I'm still sore. By the really? Way. That's well, like two weeks ago. Well, I know, but you know, when you go from zero push-ups to like 32 as hard and as many as you can in 90 minutes, I mean. And your son Aaron did how many? He, he did thirty-two. Also, so there must be some kind of a genetic thing there. Really, my genet, my 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 genetics did eighty, and I did ninety. Ha! That's amazing, Ed. Old, old, old guy strength. Wow. Old guy strength. And you beat your kid. Yeah, exactly. That's that's you cool. know the young guys. I tied mine. So the young guys don't know what us old guys have. It's because they're not old enough to understand it. Hmm. So uh, so let's talk about let's talk about uh, some stuff that's going on. I saw this this op ed. Uh, on got an email from my buddy Newt Gingrich. Uh, this is an op. I guess it came from somebody else, but this was uh, Newt Gingrich wrote this in the Washington Times, and I think it's uh, and I think it's pertinent and and conversation starting. He writes, "Who's unserious? It's a bit much to endure the national media speculating for the last couple of weeks about whether Donald Trump will turn the Republican primary contest into an unserious reality television show. Most of them, we can be sure, would like nothing better." Unserious is what they feed on. This is the press that spent last week obsessing over Cecil the Lion, of whom most had never heard of before. Yes, Cecil's life was cruel and unnecessary, or Cecil's death was cruel and unnecessary. His hunters should be punished. But in a week filled with press reports examining every conceivable angle of this unimportant story, what will become of Cecil's pubs? What about his brother Jericho? Will they have enough giraffe? Will they will they have enough giraffe for dinner? What will happen to the dentist, his guides? Shouldn't every airline stop carrying wild game trophies? Consider what else the press might have devoted its energies to. 
Last week came the release of the fourth video revealing Planned Parenthood executives trafficking in baby parts. In the video, a doctor sorts through carefully dissected pieces of aborted baby saying, Oh, look, here's some organs for you. They're all attached. Here's a stomach, heart, kidney, adrenal. She goes on to say that when you get to 17 or 18 weeks, because we do some of those, we'd have to do a little bit of training with the providers or something to make sure they didn't crush. Adam Smith observed of human nature that most of us would lose more sleep over the loss of our own little finger than we would lo- uh, than we would over the loss of millions of lives in distant China. It's society, he said, that corrects its self-centeredness and redirects it to better ends. But what would Smith make of a society outraged by the loss of an animal in Africa and numb to killing of millions of our own babies, themselves not much bigger than a little finger? Our unserious press investigates Marco Rubio's four speeding tickets in 20 years and forces Scott Walker to say whether he thinks Obama is a Christian, but never demands Hillary Clinton to say if she thinks it's okay to harvest baby parts and sell them. There's more interest in the gender assertions of the B-list celebrities than in the very possibility that the Democratic frontrunner for president could be charged with stealing hundreds of classified documents. And there's more interest in hacked photos of a few movie stars than the government losing tens of millions of federal background checks and security clearance records to the Chinese. The press spent months developing what turned out to be a completely false narrative of events in Ferguson, Missouri. Meanwhile, there are real crises. Many innocent blacks are killed every day by criminals and millions more live in poverty. The press scarcely covers these tragedies and never declares them cause for national conversation. The Justice Department sent dozens of agents to Ferguson to produce a 102-page report on the police department's emails after an officer shot a violent man in self-defense. How many agents has the department sent to Chappaqua? where the uh, five military servicemen were killed. How long will its report on Hillary's emails be? Where is the reporter who has asked these questions? The unserious press is eager for Jeb Bush to tell us whether he'd gone to war in Iraq as his brother did 12 years ago, knowing what he knows now. When was the last time a reporter asked President Obama if he still thinks it would have been wise to go to war in Syria, as Obama himself attempted two years ago? knowing what he knows now, or if President still thinks it was right to withdraw U.S. forces from Iraq, knowing what he knows now. A lane closure on George Washington Bridge is said to disqualify a candidate for presidency more than accepting millions of dollars from brutal dictatorships, and Donald Trump is unserious? Make no mistake, the reason Mr. Trump will be center stage Thursday night isn't just because he's an entertainer. It's because much of the country knows the political press and the Washington elite views itself as Cecil the Lion and the Republican fields as antelopes on the Serengeti. They can see Mr. Trump is waving red meat for the media beast, and they're eager to see where, where he takes it. Comments, Mr. McAfee? Yeah, well, it's coming back to Planned Parenthood, and that was brought up several times during the debate. Um, if you haven't seen these videos, you need to see them, and everybody needs to see them. Uh, and those cowards in the Senate, the Democrats that voted against defunding them, need to see it as well. They refuse to see it because once you see these videos, you cannot deny the truth. And the truth is that Planned Parenthood is not just an abortion mill. It's a chamber of horrors. And a lot of the people that work there, when you hear their own comments, come across as monsters. So whether you're pro-life or not it's very hard to look at these things and 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 number one fund this organization as we know what is Planned Parenthood well other than being an abortion mill it's also a big support of the Democrat machine so of course the Democrats are against defunding them because that's like defunding themselves um, but it's but it's a big issue and and coming back to the Cecil the line comments imagine the response from the political left if if Planned Parenthood was in the business of selling little baby lion cub parts for experimental research how long would Planned Parenthood be in business, Ed? Um, 
Well, you know what? I had to say that would probably be PETA, but how long would they be in business? Yep. Oh, we would have defunded them a long time ago. Absolutely. And, and, and when you think about it, as we're talking about our our presidential candidates, um, and we talk about how corrupt the system is, we're, we're using government money to fund Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is, is sending it back to the Democratic Party while they're making uh, money like this. You'll notice that when we talked about our top 10, um, the majority of my top three, four, five people are people with no political experience, i.e. Donald Trump, um, uh, Carly Fiorina, Carly Fiorina and uh, Ben, ben Carson. Carson. Yep. And, uh, and you know, I have a debate with my sister over the text messages that who voted for Obama, who will not answer to that. But, uh, you know, she says, would you want to vote for someone with no political experience? Well, you voted for someone with no private sector experience. How did that work out for you? Oh, exactly. And I think, look, one of the, the final lessons we need to learn from this Planned Parenthood thing uh, is that there's lots of ways to win this war. And we are at war. It's an ideological war. And uh, rather than, let's say, fund the RNC, how about funding uh, small groups that go in with undercover videos and, I don't know, defund like Acorn? We all remember that one, right? Oh, yeah. That oh, was yeah. one guy, his girlfriend, and a video camera that went undercover and defunded a billion dollar, uh, basically, arm of the Democrat Party. Now we've got the same thing going on with Planned Parenthood, and I had this discussion with my son as well about how strategic they are. They're releasing these videos once a week. They're defying a judge's order, by the way, to stop releasing. They're, they're going to do it anyways, and each video is worse than the previous one. These people are smart. They know how to ultimately win this war, and these are the kind of groups we should be supporting. Exactly, and uh, what the if being in the mortgage business, the Acorn, Acorn was, I mean, you want to you say who brought the economy down? It all comes from the mortgage industry, but it was the government that pushed this. And many, 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 a very large percentage of those loans were, were no down, uh, no qualify, no uh, no visible means of, of making it. And if you, the Fair if Housing Act? Is that what this stemmed from? The, uh, the, uh, community, the Community Reinvestment, reinvestment Act. Act. Okay, Community which, Reinvestment which Act. Which started during uh, Carter's years and was pushed into uh, hyperdrive. In Clinton's years, by yep. uh, by uh, Christopher Dodd and uh, Barney Frank, who Barney Frank, openly gay congressman, head of the of the House Financial Services Committee, sleeping with one of the head guys at Fannie Mae, who's also homosexual, and uh, there's no there's no uh, conflict of interest there. But they push these uh, subprime subprime uh, products on everybody, force them to sell them, or else they wouldn't be able to sell to Fannie Mae. And Acorn comes in to help the uh, the underserved uh, even get more of the and and as we saw from the uh, undercover videos was coaching people how to doctor their doctor their taxes to make themselves you know how to answer the question so they so they did qualify as opposed to well I don't really qualify for this well we'll show you how to how to fix that and uh say you know what who's who's at fault here well yeah we should be, we should be funding these uh these uh, undercover groups because we're learning the truth and uh and quite frankly the more i think about it the less I want someone with political experience. Well, yeah, because maybe a lot of these politicians are part of the problem, you know, and we'll get into that as we certainly analyze the debate coming up ahead. Exactly. So we have one other thing that we were going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Obama, not President Obama, but I call him Barack Hussein Obama. I don't call him President Obama because it's a it's a deliberate act of, of a disrespect um, because I respect the office of the presidency, but he's not worthy. Um, so, uh, so he made some comments on the uh, some some idiotic comments on uh, in regards to the Iran deal. Let's uh, let's play him. 
I recognize that resorting to force may be tempting in the face of the rhetoric and behavior that emanates from parts of Iran. It is offensive. It is incendiary. We do take it seriously. But superpowers should not act impulsively in response to taunts or even provocations that can be addressed short of war. Just because Iranian hardliners chant death to America does not mean that that's what all Iranians believe. Just because they're chanting. You know what? It's funny is the 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 leadership of that country's in or part of the leadership of that country's in a room with uh with Russia and China that want to make money and John Kerry who's an idiot um trying to make this deal work so that we can give them 150 billion dollars we can leave them with their centrifuges we can give them basically a path to a nuclear bomb within 10 years and uh, which is basically going to dis- destroy Israel. And we believe them when they say they're going to abide by that, even though they say you can't come in and see anything until you tell us and then wait 24 days. And so we, we believe them, but we don't believe them when them, including the Ayatollah, are out there chanting death to America. Well, let me state the obvious, which is that, yes, not all Iranian people want the United States dead, just the ones that are running the country, just the ones that have the guns, the weapons, and the control. Yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. Not everybody wants to. Yeah, they probably don't. And that was probably one of uh, George Bush's hopes, was that if we installed democracy and freedom in Iraq and we stayed there to make sure that it developed, that the people in Iran would overthrow their government. Because probably most of them don't want death to America. He's right. But we just took a, when by uh, pulling everybody out of Iraq, we just uh, made sure that 4,000 people died in vain uh, to to install the potential of hope in the Middle East. And... He pulled them all out and gave it to some organization called ISIS. Well, and not only that, but when those fruit, when those the sprouts of democracy did start to emerge in Iran, otherwise known as the Green Movement, what did we do, Ed? Uh, cut and run. We did nothing. We said nothing while those people died in the streets for trying, trying to overthrow that regime. We did nothing. That was one of the saddest points in this administration. Yep, this is a. Uh, it's a uh, no backbone, no spine, no guts. Uh, Let's play the second part of that clip. It's those hardliners who are most comfortable with the status quo. It's those hardliners chanting death to America who've been most opposed to the deal. They're making common cause with the Republican caucus. (laughs) Obama needs to get a punch in the face for that one. Yeah, that's real funny. I don't know what people are laughing about. What's funny about that? Yeah, I don't find it funny. I mean, Obama is such an idiot. He is so he's so off base. He's so out of touch with with what America is that it makes me just want to kick somebody in the place that I can't say on the radio. Exactly. Well, you know, and and again, it just it just points to the fact how naive this guy is. Uh, We're negotiating with with the worst, the worst state, a sponsor of terrorism in the world. Um, And uh, that's what people should be laughing about is how stupid this whole deal is, how ridiculous the idea is. Uh, it's 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 a joke. And and I'll make one little final plug. If you haven't, edhoffman.net, call your congressperson, melt the phone lines, send the emails. Is this something that we as as, as United States citizens can stop? Yes. You just got to make enough of a stink about it. So call your representatives, send those emails, tell them the answer is no on this deal. There, t- trust me on one thing. There is definitely a lot of Democrats that do not like this deal. I've talked to a lot of them. I haven't talked to one. Well, maybe I've talked to one. This guy's really a goof 
softball, but that actually supports this deal. But all of them have reservations about it. Very, very few of them think this is a good move. I got a uh, I got an email back from our congressman Mark Takano, who uh, obviously had a had a pre pre written email uh, for anybody who calls who who sends an email and asks for a response. Uh, in regards to Iran, and basically says, "Hey, if it doesn't have anything to do with gay rights, then I don't really care." So, uh, and I and I responded. It again, does have to do with gay rights, and uh, I let him. I let him have it that no, there's there's no consideration with this thing. There's nothing in it for us. Okay, so let's get on. Let's get on to the debate because we the got debate. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time, and we already don't have enough time to I know. to deal with the debate. So the debate went off Thursday night. We're recording Friday morning, so we have limited amounts of clips because there's lots to talk about, and uh, you know we had to sleep in between. So uh, so just to give you an idea, we had the two debates. Um, we'll talk about the the late night debate that most people saw first. And then we'll go to uh, how Carly Fiorina commanded the the first debate. Should have been in the first debate. Should have been in the in the primary debate instead of Rand Paul. Uh, like I said in the beginning, and probably more than John Kasich. Um, I probably I I and Rick Perry, my guy, my guy, my my number one guy, uh, really disappointed. But just so you know, uh, total questions in two hours. Trump Trump uh, spent eleven minutes and fourteen seconds with the microphone. Uh, uh, that was the highest. The lowest was uh, Scott Walker, only five minutes and forty-five seconds. They all got about the same amount of questions. The lowest was four, four questions to uh, Rand Paul and Chris Christie, and uh, of course they ran away with that. I will play a little piece of that. Um, the most was uh, Scott Walker got seven questions, but he spent the less, the least time. Um, Trump, everybody's, he had five questions, but rebuttals four. Um, Let's talk about let's talk about how we think people came out in general. Um, I went into this I went into this saying, "Hey, this is what I'm looking for in a president." This was the list of uh, list of stuff I have. Number one, we need a flat tax or a fair tax. Um, our tax system needs to change. Uh, they need to have some plan to defeat ISIS, uh, Iran. No deal. Uh, energy independence. We need to go towards energy independence. We need to rebuild our military. How are we going to pay for it? Because we've got enough oil in this country on federal lands that we can start drilling and put that put all the profits back into fueling our military, turning our economy around, and pay down the national debt. Um, school choice. No more teachers unions. And uh, I want a, I want a president with a spiritual foundation. I don't have to have a. Well, I don't have to have a preacher for a for a. Uh, um, for a president, but I don't want Satan in there either, which is apparently what we have now. Um, in my eyes, any any uh, any other uh, uh, gotchas or deal makers that? Well, that you I, thought I of? think that's. I mean, look, there was a lot of things that happened at the debate. Uh, obviously, Trump was the big story, and I will say one thing about Trump: uh, Republicans should be thankful he's in the race. Why? Because he must have doubled the ratings on that thing, Ed. And there was a ton of people watching that. So, if nothing else. All of those other candidates on stage got exposure to a broader audience than we got without Trump. Do you think that's true? Uh, absolutely. I think I think Trump uh, didn't do himself any good. He had a, he had some opportunities to be humble and just say, hey, "I'm a businessman. This is you know the object of the game. While I'm doing business, is doing business and and making money. And this is a different this is a different stage in my life. And he could have been humble about it. He he wasn't. He was kind of defensive. I don't think he hurt himself too bad, but he had some opportunities to do so. I, I put him as I thought he ended, came out neutral, 
no gains, no losses. Mm, I would say probably a slight downgrade for Trump, I think, but but you never know because I guess there's ratings that show now he's up. Uh, who knows? I do think probably there are some thoughts, and I'd like to know what your certainly concerns are about Donald Trump. There, as much as there are things we really like about him, the, the issue of running as an independent, if he doesn't get the, the nomination, that's kind of disturbing to me. Um, your thoughts on that? I think instead of saying, hey, I'm going to, I won't commit to not doing it, he should just have said, I'm not ready to, to make that commitment yet. Um, I did hear during the debate from, from, on the first debate and the second debate that apparently he received a call from Bill Clinton before deciding to jump in. That concerns me. Now, what's up with that? I mean, we all know Clinton's got an agenda. Uh, is he saying what? What is he saying? That he'll pull a Ross Perot as an independent? Is, what, I don't even know how to interpret that. I'm not sure either, but it, it made my ears perk up. And, you know, there's always stuff behind the scenes that you never know. And that's one of the reasons that people like Trump is because he, doesn't, he says what's on his mind. Um, I, I don't trust Clinton. I don't trust Bill Clinton. He's too smart and too sneaky and always has an agenda. And that's how he got elected was pro split the party. Right. And so that does that does concern me. And uh, the fact that he wouldn't make a commitment didn't hurt me. Hey, uh, didn't didn't bother me. Hey, we're uh, we're out of time for part one. We're going to come back after five minutes of commercials and uh, traffic and weather. And uh, we're going to discuss the rest of the debate and uh, play you some more clips right after this. Don't go away. We'll be right back with part two of the main event. back part two of the main event my name is ed hoffman president wholesale capital corporation your local direct mortgage lender not talking mortgages as i normally don't we all sell the same stuff so if you hear something that sounds like common sense and you need a mortgage product call me toll free at 855-640-2020 and i'll direct you towards the common sense answer for you we're on with scott mcafee of scott's bikes and we're talking about bikes did I say? <laughs> he said Scott's Bikes. Oh, Scott's Bikes. I always Everybody always does that. Okay, uh, Scott's dad's name was Don, and he inherited the business, uh, what, 25 years ago? Uh, about 30, actually. About 30 years ago. Damn, I didn't know you were that old. Oh, I know. I just look really young. You do. And uh, so, But we're, <laughs> we're talking about the debate. Um, Donald Trump, any last, any yeah, last thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts on Donald Trump. Uh, things that kind of bother me a little bit. Giving money to the Democrats. Uh, he admitted on stage that he's even, Demo- he's even donated to Hillary Clinton's campaign. That does bother me a little bit. And the question is why, and we all know the answer. The answer is to buy some kind of political favors down the road. I do have a problem with that because I think that's part of the problem with the political system is when you can go in with your money and buy political favors. That's a problem. That's the business. That's the business. Of it our- may be reality, but I don't like it. But, re- um, but, re- but remember, you know, it's uh, you're he's at that time he's in business. He's there to make money. And sometimes sometimes a donation here and there at least gets you some attention. It may not be political favors, but it might be a little attention. And that's the game he's playing then. He could have he could have he could have made a a more articulate make us feel better about it. Yep, uh, I response. I agree. He he missed an opportunity there. Yep. Final little thoughts on Donald Trump. He does occasionally say some things that I think are kind of stupid. I mean, he says some great things, but there's some stupid stuff in there as well. Yes. Uh, as a president, I, I he's kind of a. I don't know where he's going to go. You know, it could, he could be a disaster. Uh, his, as you mentioned, his answers on the bankruptcy things were kind of a little, little it could have been handled a lot better. Um, 
And he also kind of dodged the question of, hey, you were a Democrat not that long ago. And, you know, I think he could have given a much better answer as to, hey, you know, why am I a Republican now? Why was I stupid then? I mean, I could answer those questions, I think, better than that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, you evolve. Yeah. Everybody evolves in life. And he was building an empire in in a day. De- I'll tell you that when Don and I and Don and I were in New York last week, um, and in fact, we, we were in New York from last Saturday till Wednesday morning. Um I purposely, you know, when it was uh, Bush and Bush uh, Cheney running against Kerry uh, Edwards, uh, I I had a Bush Cheney shirt that I wore along, and we walked around in Times Square, and pe- and people would come out of their shop and go, "Hey, where'd you get that shirt?" I said, "At Republican." Uh, Republic. They're whispering it. <laughs> one of the one of the Republican offices in California goes, "I I love that, but I couldn't wear it here." And you know what? That's the environment in New York, and uh, we're walking through. Uh, Greenwich Village or uh, somewhere by the by the School of the Arts uh, there and and there's students signing people up to register to vote Democrat and I said no I, no thank you I'm I'm uh, I have a brain and uh, nice and I'm wearing that shirt and, you know this this time we went with our enjoy capitalism shirts and uh, and I like to stir things up but that's New York you know New, we love New York because it's fun it's great it's a city that never sleeps there's so much history there there's so much to see um and it's just it's just always a fun place to just go spend a few days but New York is that kind of environment and Trump built a built a uh, uh, an empire there so it's well, it's easy he he could have come up with a lot of good answers that would make some sense. Right. And and if you look at briefly, why did we lose in 2012? Well, if it was because Mitt Romney was was viewed as this rich white guy that was out of touch with the rest of the people. I mean, Donald Trump makes Mitt Romney look homeless by comparison on the economic scale. I was actually kind of shocked to see he, was, he wasn't even the top 300 of richest people in the country. There's a lot of people with a lot of money in this country. Exactly. And uh, I think, and I think, uh, who was it? Uh, Bill Whittle did a, this is how Romney should have responded and should have been and should have been proud about all his riches instead mm-hmm. of being embarrassed about it. And you know, uh, Mitt, uh, Mitt Romney was a little bit, a little bit more humble than Donald Trump is, and was trying not to. I mean, you see that he told the truth. Hey, forty-seven percent of the people are getting a check from the government. I'm not going to get those votes. So I got to concentrate on the other fifty-three percent. And that was his. That was one of the biggest negatives to Romney's. Romney's. Uh, hey, he told the truth. I was going to say I don't. I don't even know why that was so controversial. It wasn't. So let's talk about. Let's go to the other. Yep. The other candidates. Uh, uh, Chris Christie and Rand Paul. Neither of which are on my on my favorite list. But they got into a good confrontation here. Um, we got a little three pieces of it. Let's let's play the first one. Governor Christie. You have said that Senator Paul's opposition to the NSA's collection of phone records has made the United States weaker and more vulnerable, even going so far as to say that he should be called before Congress to answer for it if we should be hit by another terrorist attack. Do you really believe you can assign blame to Senator Paul just for opposing the bulk collection of people's phone records in the event of a terrorist attack? Yes, I do. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm the only person on this stage who's actually filed applications under the Patriot Act, who have gone before the federal, uh, the, the Foreign Intelligence Service Court, who has prosecuted and investigated and jailed terrorists in this country after September 11th. You know, he, he went on, on to that and, and, uh, and Rand Paul was talking about the NSA collecting, collecting records. And here was Rand Paul's response. I want to collect more records from terrorists but less records from innocent Americans. The Fourth Amendment was what we fought the revolution over. 
John Adams said it was the spark that led to our war for independence. And I'm proud of standing for the Bill of Rights, and I will continue to stand for the Bill of Rights. And, and Megan, Megan, that's a, that, you know, that's a completely ridiculous answer. I want to collect more records from terrorists, but less records from other people. How are you supposed to know, Megan? I think Rand Paul just shows himself to how naive he is to the world. And I have to say, uh, that is a stupid answer. How are you going to know? Was a great answer for, for Chris Christie, who I'm not a, not a big fan of. Right. Um, and that, then, and then that, I was going to say, that's one of Christie's highlights for sure. What are you going to say? And then Rand Paul comes back and hits him right in the face, which I think was a great return, but I'm not a fan of either one of them. Go ahead. Governor Christie, make your point. Listen, Senator, you know, when you're sitting in a subcommittee just blowing hot air about this, you can say things like that. When you're responsible for protecting the lives of the American people, then what you need to do is to make sure sure that you use the the system the way it's supposed to work. Here's the problem, Governor. You fundamentally misunderstand the Bill of Rights. Every time you did a case, you got a warrant from a judge. I'm talking about searches without warrants indiscriminately of all Americans' records, and that's what I fought to end. I don't trust President Obama with our records. I know you gave him a big hug, and if you want to give him a big hug again, go right in. The big hug that we all remember, Christie came back and said, hey, the, I, I, the hugs I remember with the 9-11 victims and all that stuff, and I, I know he practiced that because he knew the hug was going to come up. It was the hug fell around the world, Ed. Oh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was and that was our opportunity to put a Boy Scout, a guy who would have made a great president, Mitt Romney, in there, and four days before the election, he gave uh, Obama the big, the, the, the big bear hug and said, he's doing a great job because he's given me, he's given my state money, although the money never came for months and months and months afterwards and uh, Obama got back on his plane and flew to Chicago and while the New Jersey and New York are in a in a sub-zero freeze he's at his place in uh, Chicago watching the returns shooting pool so uh, you know, the sad thing is that was probably the ending moment for for me and your mind probably where, where Christie could have been a candidate you know that's why he's in the three percent I think uh, range right now is because of that moment uh, that's a that's a moment I will never forget. And we have so much good talent. Yep. And uh, you know Marco Rubio. I don't have the, we didn't clip this clip, but Marco Rubio said, "Hey, I thank God that we have such a great country, and and look at how many great uh, candidates we have in in the Republican Party, and the Democrats can't even find one." That's true, and it is difficult because there are so many good people on that stage. But at the end of the day, we got to pick one, and we got to pick the one most likely to win. That's what it all boils down to. I know I have a hard time thinking that that Hillary will even be there at that time because um, she should be in jail. But let's talk about some of the other guys. Yep. Uh, Jeb Bush, in my eyes, he got a little bit of a bump. He was, he looked nervous. He looked nervous. His, some of his questions kind of clarified his his uh, his common core thing. Uh, looked like he came off of it a little bit. Um, didn't do much for me, but I thought he came out okay. Um, I didn't like Bush, and I like him even less. Um, I think that when he threw in the kind, just kind of worked it into what he was saying, but he says, we're going to fix the immigration problem and turn it into an economic driver. Dude, it's an economic drag. And if you're talking about giving amnesty to, to large numbers of people, that's an economic drag. So I still, I mean, he hasn't changed his position on that. He's one of the last guys I want. I wish
wish he would just drop out right now. Yeah, That's I just was, my I'm, humble opinion. The the yeah the uh, the immigration thing. You know, after after what we've been discussing and after reading uh, Ann Coulter's book. Yep. Um, that's a that's a deal breaker to me. Uh, Scott Walker, who I love. Um, I don't think he had the opportunity to really make any points. I don't think he did himself bad. He didn't do himself good. Um, but he's you know it, this is the elimination game. Let's get rid of the first wave. Um, Huckabee, I thought looked good, but he always sounds good on a on a stage. He's you know he's a good speaker. Um, he did sound good. He had a, he had a great closing statement. Do we have the closing statement ready? I love this. Go ahead and play that. Governor Mike Huckabee, closing statement. It seems like this election has been a whole lot about a person who's very high in the polls, but doesn't have a clue about how to govern. A person who has been filled with scandals and who could not lead. And of course, I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. And of course, everybody thought he was talking about Trump, and uh, I thought that was, you know, obviously well rehearsed. Uh, that was that was awesome. It was a great line. That was probably Huckabee's highlight. I think of the whole thing. He spoke well. The guy's intelligent, but he's just not in our top group. I think I think he's uh, his his years as a as a minister are going to keep a lot of people away away. You know, there's a there's a fear in the in the American electorate to putting people that are too religious up there. Mm. And quite frankly, we need some God in government because we certainly have a lot of Satan in there now. Um, Ben Carson, Ben Carson was good, but he didn't get it. You know, he, he, and I was anxious to see how Ben Carson did. Um, but he's cause he's so soft spoken. He's so, so smart and so intelligent. And he, you know, he thinks, he thinks fast about what he says. He had a couple of great lines up there. I did, I think he made a little bit of a little bit of a positive. Um, didn't have enough time to really make a a great one. Let's play the uh, play the clip where he's talking about race. Well, I think the bully pulpit is a wonderful place to start uh, healing that divide. You know, we have the purveyors of hatred who take every single incident between people of two races and try to make a race war out of it and drive wedges into people. And this does not need to be done. What we need to think about instead, you know, I was asked by an NPR reporter once, why don't I talk about race that often? I said, it's because I'm a neurosurgeon. And she thought that was a strange response. And you say, I said, you see, when I take someone to the operating room, I'm actually operating on the thing that makes them who they are. The skin doesn't make them who they are. The hair doesn't make them who they are. And it's time for us to move beyond that. That is how Barack Obama should have been leading our country for the last eight years. Yeah, absolutely. The, the only shame about Ben Carson, we didn't get to hear him enough. Well, I, th- I, think, it, I think the object of the game was, was come off well enough to make it to the next one. Yep, I agree. And he also did make one great comment. I know I know we don't have the clip for it, but he talked about there's no such thing as a politically correct war, that if you're going to go in there and win stuff, you got to really take the handcuffs off our military. And it was it was just a good comment. Exactly. And uh, and I've seen him I've seen him speak alive. I had a chance to meet him. Uh, I didn't get to pile around with him and have a conversation, but I got my picture taken with him. Nice. Um, but the <laughs> uh, and he he that was one of the centers of his speech was he won't be politically correct. Doesn't mean he's going to be as offensive as Trump because Trump talked about political correctness. Um, but no political correctness, strength, energy, brains, and quickness. Um, it was like Trump's top things, and I think Carson has that, just he's a little bit smoother. And, uh, you know, he's black, so he's he's black, so he's only black. And we have one black person, we have one, one, uh, one, uh, 
uh, female, and I would go. I would vote for for the for Ben, who's black, and I'd vote for Carly Fiorina, who's who's white and she's a woman. Um, so I'm not I'm not too. Uh, we got to have a white guy in there. We got to have someone with a brain, and we got a lot of people with brains. Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, I know is one of your favorites. I thought he did well last night. I thought he did really good too. I mean, Ted Cruz again is a debate former debate champion, and that showed. He's very smooth. Uh, his closer was awesome. I guess we have the closing clip for Ted Cruz. If I am elected president, let me tell you about my first day in office. The first thing I intend to do is to rescind every illegal and unconstitutional executive action taken by Barack Obama. The next thing I intend to do is instruct the Department of Justice to open an investigation into these videos and to prosecute Planned Parenthood for any criminal violations. The next thing I intend to do is instruct the Department of Justice and the IRS to start persecuting religious liberty. I then intend to cancel the Iran deal and finally move the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. I will keep my word. My father fled Cuba, and I will fight to defend liberty because my family knows what it's like to lose it. I didn't hear flat tax in there. I didn't hear uh, seal the border. Um. So and get rid of the IRS. Right. So, uh, but you know, I guess you can't say it all. But certainly, those are part of who Ted Cruz is. And the one thing about Ted Cruz, you can definitely say he's very sincere. Unlike a lot of other folks that kind of talk about taking on this, that, and the other, he's actually done it. And he's also, you know, taken on his own party. And that's that's worth noting. I mean, he's not a he's uh, he's the guy that uh, if you want if you believe in those sorts of things, he's definitely one one of the per- people you have to consider. I'll say he slid up up a few notches on the list. Yep, Rand Paul. He's out. Christy, Christy, no matter how good he is. You can't forgive I, the I hug, can, can you, Ed? No. Um, <laughs> John Kasich, I don't think he got to say enough. To, he got to introduce himself. I don't yep. think he did anything. He probably got a little positive just because people don't know him. Marco Rubio, I think he, he did well. He'd say, hey, we're going to repel Dodd-Frank, which, uh, which is a big thing for me because I'm in the mortgage business and it is hurting this, this country. Um, but he came across young. Um, it's about the future, not the past. Um I think I think uh, Rubio probably got got himself a few points, but um, still not in my top top three yet. Um, let's talk about the second the, the first debate. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to talk about? Um, the one? only no, no other than um, uh, you know uh, oh Carson. One of the things about Carson that's worth mentioning is he did talk about I the important thing is to educate people because I think if people are educated, Ed, they vote the way we do. The more people are educated, the more they realize the truth. Uh, I think the more that uh, that they'll lean, you know, to the right. Absolutely right. And that's why we say, talk to your kids, talk yep. to your kids, talk to your kids, talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends. When somebody says something stupid, just go, don't walk away and go, you're stupid. Tell them why it's stupid. Yep. My, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm having a debate on my text message right before we started based on my sister. My sister's very smart. Her husband's a doctor. They're very intelligent, but he, she voted for Obama. She's lost. Okay, she's coming out the Labor Day week. I will, I will either kill her or, or uh, turn her over to a Republican. Well, there you go. And we've talked about my sister also being a Democrat. Maybe we'll have them both on the air and we'll debate them on the air. Ed, what do you think? That would be good. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. Cool. I might do that. All right. I might bring her on because then they be... won't speak to us anymore after we win. Well, it's so be it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so let's talk about the second. The here, here's people can drop out right now. Santorum, <laughs> uh, Bobby Jindal did did well, but I just don't think he's. I don't think he has any traction. There's no. I don't think we he need has to defend the herd, Ed. Uh, Pataki can get out. Yawn. Uh, Liz, uh, 
uh, you know, Lindsey Graham, uh, <laughs> you know, had had very well put together statements, but he was nervous and he looked like he took a sleep in the uh, he took a nap in the green room before it started, and he's just nowhere. Uh, Jim Gilmore, who the hell is he? I don't even know who he is. He can he can get away. He's wasting our time. And my first guy, Rick Perry. It seemed like an awkward open, and here's here's the thing: Rick Perry always wears a black, tailored, perfectly fit suit with a bright red tie and a white shirt, and he came on with a brown suit with some some <laughs> cream blue tie, the wimpiest looking look, and he he just was very very not very not strong in that. I think he you know he's 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 slipping he's slipping on my list. But let's talk about the Iron Lady, Carly Fiorina was awesome. We've got three clips from her. Let's start on, on what they talked to her about uh, cybersecurity. Well, let me say first that it is disturbing that every time one of these homegrown terrorist attacks occurs, and as your question points out, they are occurring with far too uh, great frequency, it turns out we had warning signals. It turns out we knew something was wrong. It turns out some dot wasn't connected. And so the first thing we have to do is make sure that everyone and every responsible agency is attuned to all of these possibilities and symptoms. We even had warnings about the Boston Marathon bombers, and yet the dots weren't connected. So we need to get on a different mindset. Secondly, I certainly support that we need to tear down down cyber walls, not on a mass basis, but on a targeted basis. But let me just say that we also need down to tear down the cyber walls that China is erecting, that Russia is erecting. We need to be very well aware of the fact that China and Russia are using technology to attack us, just as ISIS is using technology to recruit those who would murder American citizens. I do not believe that we need to wholesale destroy every American citizen's privacy in order to go after those that we know are suspect or are already a problem. But yes, there is more collaboration required between private sector companies and the public sector. And specifically, we know that we could have detected and repelled some of these cyber attacks if that collaboration had been permitted. A law has been sitting, languishing, sadly, on Capitol Hill and has not yet been passed, and it would help. So would you tonight call for Google and Apple to cooperate in these investigations and let the FBI in where they need to go? I absolutely would call on them to collaborate and cooperate, yes. Has this lady done her homework or what? Good Lord. I mean, that's just amazing. Carly Fiorina is the, I can't say the word on the air. She's the poop. Ed. She's awesome. She's awesome. And most people don't know who she was, who she is. I, the first time I saw her at a leadership conference, I went to hear uh, Giuliani and Jack Welch of GE and uh, Sir Richard Branson and uh, Stephen Covey and a bunch of people. And she was the first one to speak. I'd never heard of her. And I go, who is this lady? I had more notes from her than anybody. She is sharp as a knife. And uh, let's, let's hear her talking on the Middle East. On day one in the Oval Office, I would make two phone calls. The first one would be to my good friend Bibi Netanyahu to reassure him we will stand with the state of Israel. The second will be to the supreme leader of Iran. He might not take my phone call, but he would get the message. And the message is this. Until you open every nuclear and every military facility to full open anytime, anywhere for real inspections, we are going to make it as difficult as possible for you to move money around the global financial system. I hope Congress says no to this deal. But realistically, even if they do, the money is flowing. China and Russia have never been on our side of the table. The Europeans have moved on. We have to stop the money flow. And by the way, as important as those two phone 
phone calls are. They are also very important because they say this, America is back in the leadership business. And when America does not lead, the world is a dangerous and a tragic place. This is a bad deal. Obama broke every rule of negotiation. Yes, our allies are not perfect, but Iran is at the heart of most of the evil that is going on in the Middle East through their proxies. Very, very briefly, would you help our allies in that region to get nuclear weapons if Iran has them? Let me tell you what I would do immediately. Day two in the Oval Office, I would hold a Camp David summit with our Arab allies, not to talk them into this lousy deal with Iran, but to say to them, what is it that you need to defeat ISIL? You know, Obama has presented the American people with a false choice every time. It's what I've done or not done, or it's war. It is a false choice. King Abdullah of Jordan, a man I've known for a long time, has been asking for bombs and materiel. We have not provided them. He has gone to China. The Kurds have been asking us to arm them for three years. We haven't done so. The Egyptians have asked us to share intelligence. We're not doing it. We have Arab allies. They are not perfect. I know everyone. But they need to see leadership, support, and resolve from the United States of America, and we can help them defeat ISIS. This lady sounds like she's prepared to be the president. She doesn't miss a beat. I could see her on stage next to Hillary just running circles around her. And no teleprompter. No, no teleprompter. And all I can say is if she did, she isn't our nominee, if she's not the president, then whoever is our nominee needs to take a serious, hard look at this lady as either a vice presidential candidate or in some very important, very powerful position, secretary of state, whatever. But that's a brain you don't want to waste. Let's hear her close. Hillary Clinton lies about Benghazi. She lies about emails. She is still defending Planned Parenthood, and she is still her party's front runner. 2016 is going to be a fight between conservatism and a Democrat party that is undermining the very character of this nation. We need a nominee who is going to throw every punch, not poll punches, and someone who cannot stumble before he even gets into the ring. I am not a member of the political class. I am a conservative. I can win this job. I can do this job. I need your help. I need your support. I will, with your help and support, lead the resurgence of this great nation. She closed like a, like a, like a, a leader, like a salesperson. She asked for our vote. She asked for our support. Uh, I'm motivated to call her up and give her my credit card. Um, I won't yet. Um, like I'm not, uh, I've got invited to meet, uh, Marco Rubio next week and, uh, it's $2,700 a person. And I just don't know that I'm ready to, uh, throw my money at someone. I don't know that I'm going to support yet. So, um, your thoughts? Okay. We have, a, well, we have yeah. about 30 seconds. 30 left. seconds. Uh, it's Walker Fiorina or Walker Rubio. That's, that's my ticket. Walker at the top. And just based on everything the guy's done, based on his winning track record, I think he's very relatable. He's just a down to earth guy. Uh, I think uh, he'll probably draw more votes than Trump in the end. That's that's my pick. I think uh, it's too early for me to say for okay. sure, but uh, September 16th uh, will be the next. I think it's a CNN. Uh, is it CNN or CBS? CNN. CNN, and I think we're carrying it on uh, on Salem Radio. And uh, the day after, uh, Wholesale Capital is sponsoring an event with uh, Larry Elder and uh, and uh, Dennis Prager uh, to discuss it. And I'll be there. Hopefully, you guys will be too. Scott, thanks for joining me on the main event again to discuss this very, very first important debate. Yeah, that was a blast, Ed. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, if you need a bike, call Don's Bikes and Rialto Redlands and ask for Scott and tell him you want the main event discount. Absolutely. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week.